descends through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, day 24 fancast. It is day two, hour 19, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, superfan Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am Jack Bauer's purple nurple titties, Michael Howard. It's fu- <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, because we get to a point where people are playing with Jack's nips later. Mm-hmm. Non-consensual mm-hmm. nip play. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And... I don't really remember anyone giving him the old perp nerp though. They didn't show it. You just implied. There was a lot of times where he was he wasn't on screen. I assume that's when they're doing the perp and nerps. I mean, they, they do say everyone has their breaking point mm-hmm. a couple times in this episode, and Ronnie isn't shown to just be doing blade play the whole time. I assume he's probably he probably got some he gets some weird with that nips. I bet. Yeah, he's definitely nerping those perps. well anyway guys it's hour 19 um some things happened last episode mostly just a lot of shooting i honestly these episodes for season two are just blurring together for me again i watched this last night i took notes yep i barely remember anything about it the thing i do remember and michael you and i realized this when we were recording our other show Mm mm-hmm Curtis, did you notice one very crucial detail about this episode? I it's at the end. I don't want to say no, no, no. no. Okay. So you missed it. There's something very crucial oh, missing oh. in this episode. Let me see. It's like see. it's like when you, there's a gap no, no, in it, and you just I'm looking. I'm looking. No, hold on. I'm looking through my notes. Um, I just well. So I wrote, uh, I wrote down the side of all the pages. Uh, joygasm. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> down all my notes i didn't know if you wanted to bring it up but yeah um for some reason god smiled this hour mm-hmm. uh-huh. and decided hey y'all you know what you don't need right now kim bauer you don't you don't need no kim she gone you don't need no kim you it's know it's like, kind of, i say it's sorry. kind of like when you're carrying like a backpack right and it's super heavy but you're carrying it everywhere you're carrying it through the airport you know, you, you, you're standing in line, and then you just kind of forget that it's there, but then when you take it off, and you feel like mm. a weight has been lifted off of you, like you could run a hundred miles. It's just like, you know, in high school when you, you had to take all, all sorts of book bags to, you know, I had, yeah, your backpack was just full of books every day. And then one day, you, like, you just left your chemistry book in your locker, and like you didn't go back to get it, and your backpack was so light, <laughs> so light. and it was, so, and like you hate chemistry because it's so stupid, real dumb. And they keep the making actually. you take it. It's like you had a backpack on, and it was super heavy. And then somebody said, "Hey, you're still gonna have to carry this stupid heavy ass backpack, but you're never gonna have to look at Kim Bauer for at least an hour because she just admitted to murder." And like all sorts of other crimes. She's hopefully so in jail. Stuff. Yeah. So guys, um, we open up. There some things happened last episode. So Michelle Dessler, CTU, she admitted to that she was helping Jack Bauer sneak around Tony Almeida, the acting head of CTU. Um, and Tony calls Jack, and we learn that Jack is tracking down uh proof of the Cyprus recording that this whole attack on the Middle East is now based on. It's the linchpin of their attack. It might be fake, and at the end of the episode, Jack pulls evidence of that forgery out of a man's chesticles because mm-hmm. uh, he had implanted it in his ribs. Um, and 
Did he put it in there himself? I that is the implication, <laughs> which by the way, one, it's a very neat incision. Yes. Very neat sutures on it. I think he did, but goodness I gracious. Mean, I'm isn't he is he the sixth element? He he it was it was <laughs> it was Jonathan Wallace the whole time. <laughs> the fifth element is love. The sixth element is Jonathan Wallace. Uh a very old captain in the army. <laughs> the oldest captain. Which, by the way, we did get more intel from our, our inside source, who we have named Lil Boat, yeah. uh, according to Trends in Low Places. He he agrees with everything we said about uh, the faults in rank and everything about... <laughs> An actual y- department of yeah. the military <laughs> and his age... And yeah, I, he he seemed most offended by Jonathan Wallace's age yeah. as a captain. He's like, "That's a fifty-year-old man. <laughs> He's not a captain anymore." No. Uh. But we open up at two a.m. Welcome to the two a.m. hour. Um, and a General Gratz, who this is now the fourth general in in the Enrock informing David Palmer of things. I don't know why they keep getting new generals. But uh, okay, are, are all of the Joint Chiefs just giving their own presentations? Well, they keep talking about getting the the Joint Chiefs on the phone throughout this, and it's like they're apparently all here. Yeah, they were free hey, and just came to Northern Washington. I'm gonna say it. What about an admiral? We're gonna leave out the naval. They're there. Yeah, well, they what take about so the long to force? get there. <laughs> the space, the space force. I mean, they have to take care of this right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just gonna drop, already ready. gonna drop a tungsten rod from orbit. See ya. Um, <laughs> so he informs President David Palmer that the, the military as a whole has launched 12 bomb squadrons from the U.S. to exploit a surprise attack uh, against the Middle East and says that they'll also launch three initial attacks from three air bases in northern Africa. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but then he pointed at two points in Tunisia and one in Libya. And um, guys, I have some bad news. <laughs> We don't have air bases in or anywhere near those particular countries. That you know of. No, yeah. um, we did not have anything in Libya. Can pretty much goddamn guarantee <laughs> that one. Also, and maybe, I mean, I'm sure Lil Boat's going to want to be part of this, too. Um, he said he 12 bomb squadrons. Yep. A, a squadron is anywhere from 12 to 24 aircraft. Yeah. Oh. We're seeing that many bombers... What are we bombing? 144 to double that number <laughs> of bombers. 288. Uh, and we're, well, we're bombing the entire Middle East. It takes a lot of planes. Does it, though? We have some big bombs. I mean, I guess... This, it, isn't, this isn't World War II. They're not, like, going through AA fire. Like, this is ridiculous. This isn't like the Memphis Bell movie where they're just like, we have, if we send 35 flying fortresses in, maybe one of them will be able to drop the bomb on Berlin. That's a lot of bitches. That's, it's That's a, a it's a lot of, lot of bitches. <laughs> I'm actually hold on. I'm actually looking up how many active bombers we have right now. Um, I did not look up the capacity of our standard bombers at the time, 2002. But I'm gonna guess it's a fuck ton. Um, yeah, we don't actually have that many bombers. <laughs> period. <laughs> We sent every bomber we had. Like, Someone send up all the bombs. Yeah. It said. would literally be every single bomber we had, and it still would not be 12 bomb squadrons. <laughs> That's great. Maybe he just yeah. meant 12 
bombers. So in 2017, we had 62 B1B bombers, <laughs> uh, 20 B2A bombers, uh, 75 B52H bombers, and yeah, that's uh, this is Air Force, I think. Um, yeah, so maybe the Navy's got something they can lend to the cause, but. Yeah, man. Oh, we're you know, pretty much throw, tapped out. Let's just throw some so, of those Coast Guard planes so, at them. Whatever. So, gonna, gonna go ahead and say, as great as the Navy airmen are, I don't believe we have that many large-scale bombers launching from aircraft carriers because, well, Hey, no. Curtis, you can just, you can just, I know where they have those cool <laughs> launchers. Really, the hydraulics on those bad boys, pretty good now. You can just sling a B-52 Stratofortress <laughs> right off the deck of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just strap some bombs to like an F fourteen or something, man. Well, the the trick is is uh, it has to be the helicarrier from Marvel, yes, and you have to be a couple thousand feet off the air, and that way the plane has enough time to get going, yes, and then you take so it, right off. By the way, so it could be that I, I thought about this, so it could be that they have like three bombers per squadron, and then fighter jets around said bombers to ensure that they make it to their. Um, their targets, but seeing as we're bombing the Middle East, I don't think their air force is that good that we need to. But they got to go through fighters. hostile territory. That existent, the hostile territory in which we've sold them all their weapons. We should have just a kill switch on all those. We hey y'all, just sorry about this. We we had to put it in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. go Whoops, your noodles. <laughs> um, so so General Grant says, yeah, let's. I mean, I could talk about that all night, but General Grant says, well, this is consistent with what you asked for. Uh, you wanted airstrikes to begin before you address the nation uh, about the attack. And Palmer says, I know what I asked for. And then he he kind of softens it and says, you know, you did a great job. Thanks for doing everything. Um, and Vice President Jim Prescott is also on the Google Hangout uh, for this particular bombing run. And he says... David, are you still behind this attack? Because I am sensing some equivocation. This motherfucker, man. Yeah. I mean, and, we'll get into it later, but that's all yeah. I gotta say right now is And this, this is where this mofo, and this is where David decides to pipe up and tell everyone, including his cabinet, who's on the line, that Jack Bauer believes that the Cypress audio was fabricated. And uh, the vice president reminds everyone that Jack has no hard evidence. And Gratz says, General Gratz says, well, we need to strike... Very quickly, with overwhelming force, if we want to win. If we wait much longer, uh, our, our casualties are increased by more than 20,000 U.S. soldiers over time. Um, okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. No. I, so I'm, more soldiers what? than died in, like, any military engagement since, like, what? The, the Vietnam War? Just the overwhelming... The, 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 the logic doesn't make sense from the beginning, right? Hey... If we don't, if the bombers don't know that they're allowed to drop these bombs for the next four hours that they're flying, we're going to lose soldiers? That doesn't make any fucking sense. You've authorized the strike. All he has to say is, hey, I'll do a go, no go when we get at the target. Right. I I don't understand. Do you, they need to masturbate for three hours? Is that why they're getting <laughs> sad? Like, I don't, how are we going to lose troops when all we're saying is we're, we're already doing a surprise attack? Right. This notion that, like, they can't possibly, like, (laughs) until the bombs are out of the door, like, (laughs) you can stop it. And even probably then, you can stop the explosive. I'm pretty sure we have smart munitions now, like, we could probably turn it off if we had to. 
Yeah, fam, in the 60s, we literally had missiles 60 miles away from our country, or 90 miles away from our country. When Jeff Caden say, uh, um, um, the moment we know there's bombs, just blow them up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, David hears that we could triple the number of deaths that have been total in Afghanistan Wait, by we, waiting one, two one hours. Minute, one minute. Do you know how many troops were lost in all of the Vietnam War, which was a 20-year military engagement? Is it like 15,000? 58,000. So we're going to lose one third of what we lost in Vietnam, which is one of the worst Fuck wars ever. <laughs> we're literally doing a surprise attack. And if we don't do this one attack three hours earlier, we're going to lose a third of what we lost the entire Fuck. Vietnam War. And I mean, just uh, I think only 6,200 U.S. troops have been killed in action since 2001. Mm-hmm. 4,500 of which were in Iraq. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, this is a war against three countries that are unnamed, but probably include two of the ones I just mentioned, yeah, <laughs> given the writer's room. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's a, a steep number. Mm, All I'm hearing, y'all, is we need to reinstitute the draft. We're not getting the best quality soldiers, apparently. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe uh, they should respect our troops. <laughs> a bunch of college boys. Um, so Mike Novick winces when he hears that number. And then David Palmer says, well, we have no choice. We're going to go through with the attack. Can't afford to lose those dudes. Um, and then we cut back to the urgent care center where Jack Bauer is trying to get in touch with David Palmer, but is unable to. And he's on the phone with someone who uh, basically says David's unavailable. And Jack says, make sure he knows I called, which I get, but. He is the fucking president of the United States. Um, so David Palmer is yeah. literally waiting on a one thing, literal single piece of information that Jack Bauer is supposed to be trying to get. And Jack Bauer calls and David Palmer has told no one that like, hey, if he calls, you should probably let me know immediately. This might just be a secretary on a power trip being a gatekeeper. She's like, no, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't get through to the president he's busy you know what he's he has to decide if he wants to wage war on people you can't just be calling him up about stuff he's got a lot on his mind i mean essentially what michael just described is that it's like the person in the cia called and said hey can you tell the president that we know where osama bin laden is no he's in the shower okay and he'll call you back when he has time and then he's gonna he's gonna eat a snack and then he might take a nap (laughs) yeah but he might move in 20 minutes hey you don't make the decisions around here. I do. I will tell him with a note. Actually, just imagine like Donna from Parks and Rec answering the phone. That's perfect. Yeah. Treat yourself. <laughs> I'll get around to I'm it sorry. on my I'm times. sorry, Kush. We're, we're, we're putting you behind. And we're going to do it all night, We're friend. putting ourselves behind. And hey, is it is it our fault collectively that it's taken 14 minutes to get to the three minute mark of this show? <laughs> no. No, it's, it's not. Um, so Jack... Jack can't get through to president, so he he may, he calls the next best group, CTU Los Angeles, <laughs> and uh, we get a tiny clock at two o four, and uh, Tony Almeida picks up, and for the first time ever in this show, they have a bad phone connection. <laughs> it's weird that it's at the most critical moment where Tony asks uh, asks Jack to bring Jonathan Wallace back to CTU, and Jack just says, "Ah, oh, he's dead," but he had evidence that proves the audio was fake. Um, and in the background, we see Yusuf Ayuda, the, um, foreign intelligence agent, uh, studying the chip underneath a magnifying lens. And Tony says, 
well, how do you know it's real, Jack? It could be anything. And Jack just says, well, he had it surgically implanted in his ribs. Hardly think he'd have gone to that kind of trouble if it wasn't authentic. Like, what if he did? That would be a hell of a ruse, man. Yeah, like, what if he just, like, what if he had just been in Coral Snake for so long and it kept hearing Colonel Samuels talk about how cool Jack Bauer was? And it's like, I'm going to fuck with this guy. Fuck him. I mean, if the audio recording just says, hey, Jack, goofed you. <laughs> I mean, that'd be, it'd be kind of awesome. Like, the ultimate, it's the ultimate win for that guy. It's the ulti- <laughs> ultimate goof. This <laughs> is the best goof ever. <laughs> And so Tony asks where Jack is, and uh, he just says, well, I'm in North Hollywood. We're going to head that way soon. And Tony says, well, I'll send along an aerial escort to uh, to bring you in. And Jack says, well, I would also love to get in touch with the president. And Tony's just like, I'm not calling shit. I'm not calling anybody until I know that that chip is verified and real. And then what happens? Well, first of all, Jack can't get through to the president, but Tony's just going to be able to get through the president well he knows that tony is kind of laid up after jack broke his ankle so with one on punch to the jaw it's like you've got time i'm doing things out in the real world with <laughs> with terrorisms so tony you're you have free time i'm not gonna lie watching tony like hobble around and try to do dramatic scenes this entire episode was just perfect there's one scene later where he enters a hallway like stealthily and like trying to like calm someone's emotions and he just zooms in on on his crutches oh, it's yeah. just oh boise hmm. so what happens is that yusuf tells jack that there's a transponder on the chip and so they've been being tracked this entire time which is how they found wallace multiple times how they found them at the warehouse and probably means they're going to be at this hospital pretty soon Right. So uh, Jack says, well, that must know how that we've been tracked. And Yusuf goes to work on disconnecting it. And we get another tiny clock. Please take a drink. It is 2.05. And uh, we see this whole storyline is the dumbest. Uh, Michelle oh, no. Dessler is on the... This is almost as bad as a Kim storyline, but somehow worse because it's with a character I don't know. Um, so Michelle Dessler's on the phone with her brother, Danny. And she just like... We you, we have to stop doing this. Please stop calling me at work at the counterterrorism unit. I'm busy. This bro has and the worst fucking accent I've ever heard. Too. It's bad. You want to you want to break that off? <laughs> I wish I wish I could. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it, I, I mean, couldn't place the guy. He's one of those actors who's just like in shit that you're just like. He's oh. been in a lot of shit. Hold on a minute. Let me go ahead. I wish I knew how to do accents, because I have it in my head, but as soon as I say it, it's going to be bad. It's like, yo, Michelle, I, uh, are you going to tell me what's going on? Yeah. You said you said you got things going on over there, but like there was a bomb and you didn't tell me about it? It's kind of like um, John Travolta from Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm, what I'm kind of going with. Yeah, there. it's just, and it's it's also, it's ridiculous because like, Michelle doesn't sound like that at all. Right. Like, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're on the phone, and Michelle just says, I can't tell you what's going on. You need to just leave Shut me alone. And she just says, stay inside. Don't worry. And Danny just hangs up with her. So then Tony walks up, and Michelle's clearly upset. And Michelle just like, well, there's something wrong with the phone. And we learned that the network is overloaded since the bomb news broke. And uh, then he tells her that Jack has evidence from Wallace but he hasn't told the presidents about it yet. And Michelle urges him to call Palmer 
since he is acting on faulty evidence. And she's very vehement about this. And what does Tony say? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. What is there to think about? Like, you don't have to say any. Like, just like we have we have evidence in hand that it might be fake. This is a situation. Take take it. Take it. Whoa. Take it how you will, Mr. President. Like, I mean, at this point, I know David needs like definitive proof to like appease all the dipshits in his administration. But it's plausible deniability at the very least. I got to ask you all. Uh huh. Mm. Who in the writer's room at 24 really had a shitty experience with their phone company this season? Because they started off by blowing up the fucking phone lines in the, in the beginning of the season, and now the phones can't connect, and 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 Kim couldn't get in contact with, with Jack over the phone, and she ended up in the woods in a goddamn store because she's trying to get to a phone call. Like, all of this, I mean, 100%. What, what is, I, I, did AT&T fuck you over? No, nah, man, it was singular I mean, back then. Yeah, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Flip phone. But shit. I mean, it's also, it's still way better than it was in season one. Like, technology leaps and bounds better from 2002 to from 2001. Um, by the way, so your boy Danny, yeah, uh, he'd be your he'd be your main villain for the last uh, three to four movies in the Saw series. That's interesting hmm. because oh yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? We'll get Let, to we'll that get in a second. I think we're gonna get, I think we're gonna get. There. We'll get there. Um, so we cut back to the clinic and we see Yusef continuing to work on the chip, and he says, "I just need a minute or two. And Jack, who's looking out the window with binoculars that he got somewhere from the clinic he's in. <laughs> I don't know. Um, sees a group of men all dressed in black and tactical gear approaching the clinic. And he says, well, uh, can you make the tracker work after you disconnected from the clip? Sorry. He has something else first, doesn't he? Yeah. He says, is it one or two? Do you want a minute to get him disconnected? <laughs> well, no, no, he asked him first if he can get it disconnected. Yeah, and then a, he says a minute or two. A minute or two, and then Jack says, "Is it a, is it one or two? And Yusuf says, one, If you stop bothering me, <laughs> which is a pretty good. I I like Yusuf a lot. Is he allowed to uh, make jokes because George Mason's dead? I think. I mean, I think he has to. There's no. There, everyone else is a humorless bore on this show. <laughs> Somebody like, has to get these jokes off. Yeah, someone's got to rip jokes left and right. So. Um, after, after Yusuf cracks wise at him, uh, Jack asks if he can make the tracker work after being disconnected from the chip. And he says, yeah, I can do that. And Jack decides I'm going to lure them away. Yusuf, you and Kate get back to CTU, take this back, um, and just go no matter what. If I don't meet you in 15 minutes at this park, just go and get out of here. Um, and so they split and then... Before he, before they all leave, Kate tells Jack to be careful, and Jack says that he will and walks away. And then the five men, all wearing the coolest headsets in the world, walk in. Are they playing? A, are they playing Call of Duty? Like what the fuck? They look like they're Rainbow pe- Six, bro. It, it looks up. like a <laughs> shitty, like early mid two thousands version of laser tag that yes. they're playing. Like yes, it, like it looks like they're wearing like a Nerf headset. Hey, hey, you do not belittle Qzar. It was awesome. And I loved it. All right? It was great. But, like, Jack Jack has definitely had those little in-ear, like, communication devices. And these but guys this- are supposed to be, like, part of a shadowy cabal. So Jack's, like, lived in his ear. Like, it was right. basically a hearing aid. There's this, like, a bulk-ass, like, Plantronics, like, phone headset with, like, a two-inch... 
riser above their ears. Like, what are these? Yeah, and it demons? comes down in, in into their like in front of their mouths, but then it also has a cord that goes all the way down to like a pack on their hip. Right. It's like we need to really establish that they're talking to other people on this one. Um, so um, they all walk in and one guy has like some sort of tracking device tracking the chip. And oddly enough, the doctor who gave Jack some guff when he walked in with a bleeding man doesn't say shit to them. Uh, I guess she learned her lesson about talking smack. Yeah. Didn't they have to go through some door that they had to be let into? Right. And these guys just walk in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a guy um, comes in with a gun and another guy bleeding from a, from a gun wound. The, that guy dies on the table. They all just leave. They're like, hey, he, cool. You get to handle the dead guy. Here's another thing. So they walked in. They had to get to the room where, where Jonathan Wallace was taken care of. They had to walk through a super secure door. Mm-hmm. These guys walk in. They split up because one of them sees the signal dropping off and moving away. And one of the dudes who we learn is named O'Hara... He looks up from the waiting room and into an open door sees Jonathan Wallace's corpse in a bed. <laughs> hey, 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 let me ask y'all one quick question. Which one of these groups of people you're describing had a Brahmin with them? Big old brown man. That's true. It's Jack's group. That's a good point. Jack's, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Shit. Damn it. Um, gonna, gonna get stopped, fam. <laughs> Random check. So, so Ahara walks over to check out Wallace's corpse, and then he mm-hmm. sees that the body was cut open. He walks out, leaving Kate and Yusuf to walk out unnoticed. But, but guys, before we cut to commercial, I'm gonna be really mad if Yusuf gets hurt or injured or killed in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I love that man. It, I don't think it's gonna happen, so I think we're fine. Yeah. Well, we cut to commercial at 2.09, we come back, it's 2.13, and uh, D- Mike Novick, uh, the chief of staff, walks in and lets David know that more violence is erupting, this time in Sacramento, where the governor wants David to dispatch the National Guard, which, again, I'm pretty sure governors dispatch the National Guard. And didn't mm-hmm. it go poorly? Yeah, like, they killed, a, they killed a small child. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at, at least at this point, it's a reasonable hour, kind of, in California, like, it's just 2 a.m. They've had time to react to it. So hopefully the people of Marriott have gone to sleep. Um, and Lynn Kresge lets him know that, uh, lets David know that Tony Almeida from CTU is holding on the SATCOM network. Um, and David seems surprised and asks why it's on a satellite phone. And we learn that 90% of terrestrial phone lines are down uh, due to the overwhelming response of people trying to make phone calls, which, okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works i don't think uh, as far as plot devices go i'm fine with it like yeah, whatever I guess. like not not that not the physical phone lines cell phones yeah but cell phones weren't that prevalent. But cell phones in a very specific too. area right well i think it all comes down because i i assume that landlines still have like groups of chain smoking old ladies plugging like phone lines into <laughs> different holes in walls dolores to make my- can you give me mike Hey, also, um, to the to the, the NSA or CIA who's monitoring these podcasts and our phone call, please don't use, like, terrestrial landlines. Just don't. <laughs> use something special. Yeah, do better. that's weird. Do better. <laughs> and um, Palmer decides to talk to Tony, which is a weird way to phrase that. But uh, Tony, Tony says, Mr. President, I'm conflicted about calling you because I have evidence to stop a war, but... <laughs> 
Jack called and says that he has source recordings that prove the Cypress recording is fake. And Palmer says, have you authenticated the evidence? And Tony says, we're going to do that within the hour. And they hang up and Mike Novick, actually, no, they don't hang up yet. Um, So Mike Novick butts into the conversation and says, hey, Mr. Almeida, I find your confidence in Jack to be pretty curious since an hour ago, you were whining about Jack assaulting CTU personnel yourself mm-hmm. um, and then taking illegal custody of a witness. And this is basically like Tony just says, like the the Jack Bauer like line of reason. He's like, well, he had no choice because Wallace would not have cooperated without us. And hey, he gets results. <laughs> so <laughs> here we are. And um, Palmer says, how sure are you? that these recordings are real. And what does Tony say? Uh, he says that he basically says that if Jack thinks they're real, that he, he believes him. It's like, I'm not, I'm not sure, but Jack is. Yeah. And Palmer says, thank you for your candor. And he hangs up and then he stands up. He walks around the office a little bit. Uh, and then he huffs out a breath and spins around to look at, at, uh, Mike Novick and Lynn Kresge in the room. And what does he say? I'm calling off the attack. Not gonna do it. Not, not gonna. Not, not gonna die. Not gonna die. Thousand gonna points die. of light. And so there's an absurd exchange with Mike Novick, and this I, is and Mike doesn't. Oh God. Yeah, <laughs> Curtis, go ahead. Walk us through it. I mean, Mike's trying to justify, uh, you know, not waffling on the attack, and, and and the way that he says it, I don't understand what he even means, because he says. Can we trust a man like Bauer with his reputation? What reputation are we discussing again? Right. The man who saved my life and lives of other people and then sacrificed himself for a nuke who attempted to do that and has, has you know, had his wife killed and has killed people. Like, I don't... Also, what's Jack's reputation? Will what, what do is, literally everything and anything <laughs> to get to the truth and, like, solve something? Like... Had his wife and daughter kidnapped in order to stop it. Like, I don't get what you mean by his reputation. Yeah, he says, I appreciate your respect for Jack Bauer, but you know the man's reputation. And David says, I know the man. To which Mike says, well, then maybe you should better start thinking about your own reputation. And we have been shown proof that three nations in the Middle East colluded to detonate a nuclear bomb. It's like, but that might be fake. It could be fake, bro. Yeah, but he, he basically says... Does it matter that it's, if it's fake? Like he says, yep, we sure know from past experience these countries aren't innocent. So he's just saying, like, hey, look, we need a reason to go to war with these motherfuckers, and this is it. Let's just do this thing. Yeah, this that, is before the Iraq War. That's what's scary, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, that's the, the 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 sentence we know from past experience. These countries aren't innocent. It's like. They're innocent of detonating a nuclear bomb, you fuck bag. The like, what are you in talking it are about? Innocent? Toads. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he begs David in the strongest possible terms to reconsider, and David pauses for a moment and then just says no and asks for the <laughs> Joint Chiefs to be reconvened, and Lynn goes to call them. And then back at CTU, uh, Michelle sees Tony staring at her and just walks over, and he lets her know that he called the president and uh just says well he wants to remain reprised of the situation and michelle just says thank you you did the right thing and tony just kind of nods and he's like when it comes in when jack gets the evidence here i want you to authenticate it and uh she nods and thanks him and then walks away and we get another tiny later tonight 
you can authenticate mm-hmm. my boner. Oh shit! When it comes in, my dick, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get another tiny call. It's two eighteen, and we see Kate and Yusef driving along. They're driving along, and Kate can't get a call through, which is a convenient plot device. <laughs> and um, Yusef says, "Well, it might be on CTU's end, where they're trying, or they're probably gearing up for war against my country." And Kate says. They don't want war, Yusef. Come on. And yeah, he says, Yusef's not, he says they want not the truth. It. He said, assuming they want the truth. Yeah. And then she's and, like, they don't want war. And it's kind of weird because like Yusef's like, are you sure? You'd probably feel differently if you were on the other side, if it was your family being threatened. And it's like, mm. her family is actively involved in this threat. Like yeah, they did the right. dang thing. Yeah. Her family kind of, kind of did the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Um so here's the thing though, is like look, I I get it, I get it kind of, but I also think that Yusuf should not be so indignant about it, considering that they have some super super secret magic tape that so many people said was real. It's like I mean, what else are they supposed to think? Right. Um, so yeah, that's rough. And then also my problem here is, so Jack said, wait 15 minutes. Um, they wait 40 in the classic, oh, better hold out for the end of the, ep-. like <laughs> we're going to get there, but it's, it fucking sucks. So we get a tiny clock. It, no, no, we don't. Sorry. Um, so they arrive at the meeting intersection and pull over to wait for Jack. And, um, we cut back to the medical clinic and the men are following the commando dudes are following the signal into the abandoned basement of a clinic. And one of them is notified to pin Jack down and do not kill him until they have the chip. And they kind of split up and go down some hallways and then, whoops, they meet up in the middle and no Jack. And uh, they kick in a door and they find the transponder. And then one of them looks outside from the basement and sees Jack running down the street uh, outside. And he notifies someone named Ronnie that Jack is running and to take him down. Why is and, he running, though? The only right. people that are looking for him, supposedly, are, like, those three dudes. Like, he could have casually strolled away from the situation and been fine. Right. It's not Jack Bauer's style. It's not his style. That's true. Also, he ran down the only road leading away from this place. Like, could have gone through anything. Could have gone up up the stairs and out another hallway. Could have just across the street. Could just hung some... out in the hospital for a while. Yeah. He could have thrown um, the transponder out the window. He could have so, hit it in another patient's butt. He he could have crushed it. Like, after five minutes, he could have done anything <laughs> with it. Um, so he runs away as two cars try to pin him down. He nimbly jumps over the hood of one car, slides over it, and then shoots the driver of the other vehicle. Um, there are moments in this show where Jack Bauer has to be perf- purposefully stupid, I guess, to move <laughs> the plot forward. And... Jack kills the driver of the other car in one shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he takes seven more shots to make sure he's dead rather than turning around to see what the driver of the other car is doing at his back that he just slid over the hood of. And what is the driver of the other car doing? Tasing the fuck out of him. He ta- he'll taste game. So please <laughs> go ahead and drink once for the man who Jack killed eight times and then drink once for... Uh, Jack Bauer being taste in the back. Um, and so we see a um, James Spader like bargain bin clone uh, step out of the car. 
uh, as Jack that's falls where, to the ground. That's where I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew I kind of recognized him, but not really. Yeah, he's like an off off brand James Spader. Hey, hey, guess what? Hmm. He is the insurance executive from you guessed it, Sofi. Really? Oh shit! Are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. Why wow! The fuck is Holy from shit! In this fucking oh, show? We're gonna get to it. Holy beans! <laughs> Holy so, crap! Uh, is there a Donnie Wahlberg and I missed it? <laughs> I bet there is. Oh man! So uh, Ronnie, the driver, steps out and tells everyone to get Jack back inside. And we cut to commercial at two twenty-one. We come back at two twenty-five, and we see Mike Novick talking to a general who is uh, starting to doubt the president's dedication to Sparkle Motion. And um, Mike says. <laughs> He didn't make this decision lightly, and uh, the the president will call soon to brief you personally about the decision to call off the attack. And uh, Lynn Kresge walks over, and she wants to know about a secret meeting and wants to know if Mike has heard anything about it. What is that meeting? The vice president has called a secret meeting with the president's own cabinet members, supposedly. Yes. Mike says he me- hasn't heard anything about it. Uh, or first he questions Lynn about it. And she's like, yeah, well, well, I wasn't invited. So. And apparently they're set to meet at 4 a.m., which would be an hour and a half from now. And Mike asks what, what the agenda is. And uh, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I only heard about it from someone on uh, Gendler's staff. And uh, Lynn says, sorry. She's like, I haven't told the president. And Mike says, Probably just a rumor, but I'll ask around. Don't tell the president yet. We'll 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 get we'll track this down. How are you guys feeling about that particular meeting? And Mr. Novick and Lynn Kresge at the moment. I I don't trust nobody. The thing is, so I, I wanted, still didn't I still didn't think that Mike was gonna do what he did. He yeah, was we'll acting get there. so weird, but I feel like they've made him act so fucking weird for the past two seasons that I was just like, ah, just Mike being Mike again. Yeah, that's actually so I forgot about this. And like Mike has been so, for lack of a better word, bipolar about how he like reacts to things. Mm-hmm. He's either just like super level headed or like his his mood shifts with the wind. Yep. Uh, and like how he reacts to things. So I was just like. Oh, yeah, I don't know. He's probably just uh, playing playing the long con. He's just on. He just wants to protect David. Um, hmm. And we'll get to that. We got another tiny <laughs> clock. It's uh, two twenty six. Please take a drink. And uh, we cut back to the basement where a now very naked Jack Bauer is just ralphing all over the floor. And uh, one of the men who had previously been running a metal detector over Jack's clothes. Walks over to the pile of Jack's vomit <laughs> and uh, metal detects that thing and it does not find anything. And um, Jack is coughing on the ground and we see Ronnie unrolling a leather case of torture tools, which I don't know if there's a more ominous thing on film than someone like laying down a leather roll of mm. torture shit on a table and like just <laughs> unwrapping it. But damn, it looks shitty. It's so. Let me get my Dexter kit out. Time to go to right. work. Y'all. It's so cliche, and it's so, like everyone uses it, but it doesn't ever lose its kind of creepiness factor, menacingness. Yeah. yeah, and also it loses a little bit here because Ronnie, Ronnie Spader only uses one tool from the bag. But he yeah. uses it's only one you need, man. Yeah, I guess, but like. 
Why why bring the whole set? It's all about the presentation, you know? I mean, I guess it's part of that. Like, it's probably pretty intimidating to be, like, hanging by your wrists from, like, a, a hook. And it's just like, oh, he brought the whole craftsman set. Look, Shit. I mean, to be to be fair, he gets called and, and reminded of who Jack is and what he may be able to take. So maybe he then goes, okay, I only got one tool for this job then. I'm just saying, yeah. I have 13 clubs in my golf bag. And if I can help it, I'm using, like, three of them. Right. Because the other ones I just don't hit well. So maybe he's like, yeah, I could use this thing. But like. Yeah, I mean, like, mm. I, I've got, a, I've got a, a very nice drill, but also a set of screwdrivers. Maybe. I don't want to use those screwdrivers ever because mm. my drill has a screwdriver head. I, I, I don't want to ever have. But sometimes you got to get in that bad Maybe, boy. Michael. So it's interesting you brought up golf clubs. So I just got a set from a friend's dad. I bought him on the cheapsies. Um, so you know that there are sets you don't use. Like, there are certain clubs you don't use well. I, yeah, have, I just prefer not to use them because I know I'm going to hit it poorly. So for me, I just got the set. I've I've used golf clubs before. <laughs> But I got the set, and I <laughs> I, I said don't you've used golf clubs before. Not that you've golfed before. No, you've I've used, used them. Golf clubs. I've I've wielded them mm-hmm. inappropriately mm-hmm. Yep. for the most part. Um, I you don't applied know the trade of a golfsman. Yeah, I have applied <laughs> I've applied the trade of golf. I don't know what most of the clubs do, but I do have them. Yes. What if he's in a situation where he just inherited a set of torture tools, uh, but he's like, yeah. I only know what the scalpel does. Yeah, the other Makes ones sense. look weird. Where do I even put the pliers? Yeah. Is that is that for nip play? Is that taint stuff? Mm. What am I doing? That's probably the, that's, that's probably that's got to be it. Yeah, he he like got it at the bargain bin at uh, like the KB Toys. Of of torture <laughs> torture supplies, the Babbage's torture <laughs> store, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, look, it's a whole. Se- it's kind of like when you get a whole set of crayons, right? You get the like eighty five no. pack, and you're like, I'm not gonna use eighty five fucking colors. I'm gonna use the same six colors over and over again because I'm on creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what shading even means. Yeah, um, <laughs> why so- do I need burnt ember? So just before Ronnie gets to work on Jack, uh. O'Hara's phone rings and he says it's for Ronnie. Better yet, we have an entire drawer, two drawers full of kitchen utensils, and Rachel uses a spatula for goddamn everything. Mm-hmm. For pasta, for things in the in the frying pan, for things in bowls, for fucking everything. She uses oh, a she spatula. She uses a spatula for pasta? Yes. What? How? I have seen her use a spatula for things that would boggle your mind. But does doesn't even like separate the pasta, look, like the the pasta spoon look, does. They have spoons for that. Look, that <laughs> is between that is between Rachel and Ronnie and both of their gods about why they can't use the right tools. <laughs> Man, well, anyway, we get a phone call for Ronnie and Curtis. <laughs> please do the honors of telling me who it is. It is one Mister Tobin Bell, the name of the actor. It's Jigsaw know himself. Him better as I would fucking like to Jigsaw. Play a game. Would you like to play a game, Jack? Would you like to play a game, Jigsaw? You're gonna give me what I cab- want. Leading the cabal, y'all. Oh, hey, am is I this- in a pig? Am I in a pig mask in this movie? I don't know. How do I move that o- that weirdly? I'm an old man with cancer. How do I move this quickly to get you? I don't know. I'm Jigsaw. Do you think he's sitting right on now- a tricycle in that helicopter? 
Probably. No, I, I actually, I, I know he won't, but I hope he remains in the Cabal Copter the entire season. Like, the rest of the season, he's in there just like, no one rides him. Because if I was the head of a Shady Cabal, I'd be in some form of air, 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 air uh, travel every time. Here's the thing. I would have a blimp. And if, be moving. A derivative. Right? That jigsaw. Yeah. How, like, realistically, how did he have the self-confidence to ride around on a on a tricycle? To be threatening. <laughs> well, but I don't like, think he, he knew, actually he rides he had, on it, right? He knew he, he had cancer. Does. I think he was him. <laughs> he was him in the doll costume. It was him in the mask, just scooting around. Mm-hmm. I'm having a good time. <laughs> um, I I will defer you back to a great line from the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, uh-huh. um, where Kurt Russell explains to uh, Chris Pratt's character, Starlord, about what he can do now that he's part of the light. And also, this is what I would do if someone told me that I was going to die, I didn't have a family, and I just, you know, got to kind of, I had a mental break. In my mind, I'm, I would say, <laughs> I'm going to make some weird shit. And that's what Jigsaw did. So that includes the little doll man on the tricycle. I mean. That's fair. What the fuck does he care? That's fair. Oh, you're, you're going to catch me? Super. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Give me some of that state-run healthcare. Thanks. <laughs> hey, Kush. Uh, yeah. Is this our first Jack torturing? This is the first time Jack Bauer has been tortured oh. on this on this show. I thought so. <laughs> what I'm hearing is it won't be the last. Apparently. It's weird. So, and this comes up because Ronnie mentions it later that he knows how familiar Jack is with the laughing place mm-hmm. and welcomes Jack to his laughing place. Mm. Um, but before we get there, um, so are you more or less likely to break if you are a torturer when you're the torturee? Because I feel like I'd be more inclined to tell them everything because I know I know what the possibilities are. The, I'll say this. It feels like the ultimate outcome of this is too easy, but it's also it's like, I guess it depends on your conviction. And if anything, Jack Bauer, like I think as we find out, all he wants to do is tell people to go fuck themselves nonstop. <laughs> and he does that in the ultimate way possible in a torture zone laughing place situation. Yes, that is true. So, um, so Jigsaw asks to speak to Ronnie and uh, he asks if they have the chip. And Ronnie says, no, we don't. We will soon because we have Jack. Uh, we've scanned his entire person. Um, and he just says... I know this guy's name. Should I just say his name? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this guy, we don't learn this yet, but his name is Peter Kingsley. And Kingsley just kind of sighs and says, searching is a waste of time. He's not going to have it on him. Let me speak to him. And some of the minions forcibly pull Jack up by the rope tied around his wrist, and they put the phone to his ear. And uh, Kingsley, they have a weird interaction. He's just like, oh, Jack, you're a real hero here. Congratulations. Um, let me tell you, the world doesn't have to know anything about this little arrangement you and I are about to make. I'll keep it private. And, uh, Jack says, uh, to whom am I speaking, please? Um, and Kingsley says, uh, give me a break. Listen, I need that chip, so let's not be pigs here. You tell me where the chip is, and I'll authorize a large sum of money to compensate your guilt. Yeah. Uh, pig mass. Jigsaw, I know it's you. <laughs> The the saw connections don't stop coming. And what does Jack say? I ain't for sale, bitch. And it's kind of like that. Yeah, it was pretty much that. Kingsley makes a good point, though, and just says, 
hey, if someone wants to buy it, it's for sale. <laughs> I love it. And I want to buy you pretty bad, so uh, gimme, 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 gimme. And um, I don't know, they go back and forth about rich people starting wars. And- um, in in the name of all my wrestling fans out there, this is the Million Dollar Man saying, everybody's got a price. Yeah. Everybody's going to pay. So Kingsley <laughs> just says that and just is like, let's bridge our differences. You just name a price. And Jack says, I gave you my answer. And what does Kingsley say? <laughs> he just yells about getting the phone to Ronnie. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, sorry. He, he, he does another one. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he does say that. He says, what does he say right before Jack yeah. says, no, my answer's final. He says, when Ronnie's finished working on, oh, me, yeah. on you. You'll give me another. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, no, my answer's final. Yeah. And then he just yells for Ronnie and he takes the phone back. And <laughs> Ronnie's like, I'll get you your answer. Toodles. Well, Jack um, says, I think he wants to talk to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, like, Jack is just great. And, like, Kingsley reminds Ronnie that Jack won't be easy to break because he's been through this before. And, uh, and he reminds Ronnie that, there's the time issue involved. <laughs> and uh, we get another tiny clock. It's 229. And Ronnie simply asks Jack where the chip is. And Jack stares at him. And uh, Ronnie slowly turns away and takes his glasses off. Uh, the other men around him s- shove a gag, uh, a wooden gag between Jack's teeth and tie a leather strap around his mouth. And then Ronnie picks up a bottle that is very helpfully labeled Ammonia. And you you gotta label can- your bottles. You can't accidentally be mm-hmm. mixing chlorine and ammonia and blow everything right. up. You know. Yeah, that'd be bad. You know what and I think is he- great about Jack getting tortured? He makes no attempt to like lie or give them even the minutest detail of something just-, just to get them to stop torturing him. He's just like he makes it look like he knows more than he even does. Right. So they torture him harder. The whole thing is just like, I'm not telling you anything right. at all. Like, I won't tell you my name is Jack Bauer. Like, he could just say, like, look, somebody else has it. I have no fucking clue where they went. Right. Like, I think Jack, all he has to do is make it like 30 minutes and he can say, well, it's at CTU. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, assholes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Michael, like, they know that. Like, he, they, he, Jack clearly only had the transponder mm-hmm. on the chip. Like, they know that he gave it to someone else. He might not even know who has it at this point. <laughs> right. Just like, everything about Jack is just like, I don't know, eat my whole butt. Yeah, but basically, yeah, basically he looks him in the eyes and says, like, not only do I know what you want to know, there is no way you're going to make me tell you. And I know things that you want to know that you didn't even know I knew. And like just so you guys, so there's a guy in this episode who keeps kind of questioning what Ronnie's doing, and in my mind, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that this dude has read Jack's file. I was like, hey, 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 man, um, <laughs> like let's be fair here. Like he's gonna get free. I want to be the dude that was like, hey, I stood up for you. I told him not to do I it. I tried to please, make a cohesive on you, man. Like, please hey. don't. And Ronnie's like, he's not getting out. And he, the dude's like, yeah, no, he's, he's gonna though. He's gonna do it though. <laughs> um. And also, it's like Ronnie forgets that, like, he brings Kim up later, but, like, obviously he doesn't know Kim, because he forgets that Jack raised Kim for 17 to 18 years. It's like, yeah, whatever, man, dip this scalpel in ammonia and press it into my ribs. If that's all you have, listen, I had to go at least through one season of Kim Bauer. That's a torture gauntlet. (laughs) 
I did it. I'm fine. Uh, also, I think they were trying to juxtapose, like, you know, uh, what happened earlier this season where the, the kid was killed, and of course, the, the, the terrorist flips, and then you got Jack, who's going to stand strong, even with Dodgers mentioned. But I think also it's just Jack saying, did you just say Kim's name? Mm-hmm. Well, now, now I'm going to die. Now, my decision, you did it. You did it to yourself. <laughs> now you have to die. Congrats. Um, you played yourself. I raised that dipshit for 17 years, and I managed to keep her alive. You know how hard it is? You just know how dumb that girl is? How dare you bring her name up right now? She angers me just thinking about her. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Um, well, <laughs> we're going to get into the second dumbest storyline of this entire show. We get a tiny clock. It's 2.30 uh, in the morning, and uh, we come back to CTU where Carrie Turner walks over to Michelle and asks what she wanted. And Michelle tells her, well, uh, we have the chip coming in, and I am having trouble with the analysis software. And Carrie just says, well, send it over to my screen, and I'll do it. And Michelle just says, no, just fucking unlock this one indexing function I need and uh, they start arguing because Carrie just wants to control everything and uh, they fight and Tony interrupts and uh, he asks what's going on and we learn finally about the bad blood between Michelle and Carrie I just Uh, want I just want just once this season I want Michelle to slap Carrie in the face Mm -hmm. right and I feel like I don't remember if we get it or not but I just I feel like we should. We deserve it. Just come cross her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, so, what do we learn? Like, why Why do Carrie and Michelle hate each other? Real quick. Give me Danny, the two-second Danny version. is Michelle's brother. He had uh-huh. a wife and kids. He left his wife and his kids for Michelle. Or, sorry, for Carrie. Carrie basically just played him for a fool. And when she got bored, she left him. He lost everything. He lost his wife, his kids. He's kind of just living in an apartment by himself and he is spiraling out of control and Michelle blames it on Carrie and Carrie doesn't seem to give a fuck. Yep, pretty much. And Um, Danny is a piece of shit. So Uh as soon as we learn that, who walks into fucking CTU, the most secure facility on the planet right now? It's Danny. Danny. It's It's Danny. Danny. And we get another tiny clock. It's 2.33 and Danny walks over to see Michelle and she just asks... Hey, what the fuck do you want and why are you here? <laughs> um, and she just says, well, I'm sorry I hung up on you. I tried to call you back, but, uh, you know, I was yelling earlier. I, I wanted to apologize, but I tried to call you back and uh, the phones weren't working and there were a lot of people on the street. So I was freaked out. So I decided to drive to your work. Um, so I have family members like Danny. Yeah. They are just overly mm-hmm. needy and annoying and they don't understand how much of an asshole they are, and they always make everything about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So speaking of making things about themselves, Danny sees Carrie uh, over in the distance, and what does he do then? He tries to strangle Is Danny her. Gonna have to choke a bitch. Mm-hmm. He didn't I'm have, to. have to. I'm gonna have to choke this. He didn't have to do it. He thought he did, but he did he, it. He no, felt, he felt he needed to do it. No, he didn't even. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, he just he just walks up and it's like, oh hey, didn't didn't know you were there. Um, uh, can't believe what I can't. Why didn't you return my calls? Oh, my hands are on your throat. Whoopsie doodies. Um, and then Tony runs over and breaks them up, and then security guards come <laughs> over with his crutches, and then security guards pull Danny off and start to like pull him to a detention like room, and Danny just keeps yelling, "Hey Michelle, tell him I'm your brother." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Michelle God. is just 
looking horrified with her hands to her face, and the guards take him away. We good cut to a commercial <laughs> at two thirty four. The sad, just imagine. Oh god, if you were a CIA agent. Worked your way up pretty hard, and you like told your mm-hmm. brother where you worked, mm-hmm. and he understood where it was. And like, and then he walks in your office one day and strangles another federal <laughs> agent. And is like, just let him know I'm your brother. You're like, God, none of that matters. Yeah, the thing is, though, I'm I'm so shocked. That it's like, first of all, there's no way in hell he was on the security clearance list at CTU for like Michelle's. Like, yeah, let Danny in, no problems. But like, at my job, which is not an important job, if a guest comes to the front desk. They call me or mm-hmm. email me and mm-hmm. say, hey, can you please come down? And then they have to administer that person a visitor pass. I have to buzz them in by myself. And that's for a retail job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this guy just walked in the front, the front fucking door on the day of the biggest terrorist attack in, in U.S. history. After it was already bombed once. Right. Just strolls in. Also, the thing that pisses me off, though, is that Michelle seems more upset that her brother might go to jail for this rather than her com- or him completely embarrassing her and trying oh, to she- murder someone. I thought she was more. I thought she was embarrassed. I thought she was like mortified that this was happening. That's how I read her reaction. But then later she's like, is she going to press charges? Ah, oh, well. That's just to set the mood, Michael. She should that scene. fucking press charges. And if it was my brother and be like, yeah, he tried to strangle someone. He probably needs to spend a couple days in jail at least. Just a, a couple. Um, so we cut back to commercial. It's 2.38. We're back at the end rock. And uh, Mike Novick calls Lynn Kresge into a vacant office. And he tells her, I found out some things about this secret meeting. Um, there is a meeting set up personally by the vice president. And uh, Lynn asks... Needlessly, if it's about Palmer's decision to call off the attack. And Mike says, I don't know, but I think so. And I'm meeting a source soon. They're planning a surprise party for David to celebrate how well he's handled everything. It's like, oh, you did it. Here's a cake full of guns and stuff. Um, So we learn that a someone named Jesper Iceberg uh, is going to come meet them because he won't talk over the phone. And... uh, Mike tells her that the meeting is going to be upstairs in a room near a storage area. And Lynn says, okay, I'll meet you there. And um, this was the first inkling I had that, like, as soon as Mike was like, oh, yeah, we're meeting in a broom closet. I was like, oh, oh, beans. But I still don't trust either one of them because she was very insistent that she needed to be at this meeting, even though he was like, hey, this is my source. Like, he might not want to meet two people, which is reasonable for an inside source who's not supposed to be speaking about a right. certain thing. And she's just like, nah, I need to be there. I was like, okay, I don't trust either one of these people. Yeah, uh, although given how it shakes out, like, mm. I can I can see it two ways. One, that, like, Mike would want to test her loyalties yes. either way. Or why involve her at all? It's so like she doesn't have any real power. Like, why even bring her into the situation? Well, because he, I think she, because she already knew about the meeting somehow, and so that's she, true. He was afraid that she was going to tell the president about it. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So we come back to CTU, and Carrie's being checked out by a medical agent uh, because of Danny's, you know, being a choking, Danny assaulting her, um, and uh, Michelle walks away, and Tony follows her down a hallway, and. Uh, Michelle's kind of crying soft, softly, and she says, "I need, I need access to the software uh, to to track this thing." And Tony just kind of sees through it, and 
this is where Michelle kind of cries about Carrie pressing charges and then Michelle blames it on herself. And Tony just says, Hey, you know, that's how it goes. Sometimes family is just a complete circus fuck. You know, it's just, um, <laughs> sometimes they just try to strangle women in your own office. Yeah. At, you know, at your counterterrorism like job, yeah. that's just, sometimes your brother comes in and chokes a coworker. <laughs> sometimes yep. that's just, hmm. it's gonna it's, happen. It's weird, man. And, and, and apparently this is, all both of them waiting for because, you know, you're your loins friend. It's makeout time. I mean, yeah, I see it. Like people sometimes mistake other emotions for romantic emotions. They try to like mask one with the other. And uh, oh, this tension! You could have fucked it with a knife like <laughs> hours ago. They were they were it, they were into each other. You could have fucked it with a right? crutch. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony does. He does. Um, so yeah, so they smooch a little bit. Michelle gets in there. Mm. She's she initiates and Tony reciprocates. Um and they, they start to kiss and then Michelle just keeps apologizing for doing it and Tony's not unhappy about it. And then what happens? Carrie's there, y'all. Oh hey. Mm. Um, Why is she there? The the she one interrupts person who to can't tell- keep their own fucking nose out of other people's business. <laughs> yeah, some this is the weird part. So Carrie was being checked out by medical folks no less than two minutes ago. Um, someone called Ryan Chappelle, the division leader of CTU, called CTU to let everyone know, mostly Tony, that he was going to arrive to with a couple agents to kind of oversee things and make sure, sure things were running smoothly. Carrie, who's in the middle of a medical sort of diagnostic test, Picked up the phone and told, uh, like, decided to go find Tony and tell him this news rather than literally anyone else. I feel like she always knows where Tony is. It's probably mm-hmm. true. It's kind of creepy. Um, so we learn that Ryan Chappelle is on his way, and it is very creepy. I don't know. I don't like Carrie whatsoever. Um, so <laughs> Tony leaves, and Michelle just kind of looks up at the, at the ceiling, obviously a little conflicted about what she just did. Um, and then we see Jack's head snap back, and then more vomit shoots around the gag in his mouth, which is a shitty scene. Um, and then he passes out before being revived by the old uh, ammonia scalpel to the ribs trick. And um, the old trick, yeah, just like you do. And uh, Ronnie takes a sip out of a water bottle, and then holds the bottle in front of Jack's face before slowly pressing a cauterizing rod to it and melting it very slowly and sometimes it's easy to think like Kiefer Sutherland's not a great actor but like he does this like flinch mm-hmm. with just like his head like away from the bottle that's just like it's a, it's as much emotion as Jack shows in any part of the show and it's just like in just one head flinch he speaks volumes about how much he does not want that thing to touch his body. <laughs> I, do, I do think that Kiefer Sutherland is a good actor. Like, he's good in a lot of things. I think he's very good at one specific thing, yes, and it's being Jack Bauer. He's very good <laughs> at playing, but he was good in, like, Sleepers, and he was good in Flatliners, where he played a little bit more of, like, a, a, a serious Wild role. child, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, but, like, man, I would tell that dude... About every Everything. chip I've ever thought of, I'd be like, "Hey, I can tell you where they have Doritos in this place. 
I can tell you all the weird flavors I've submitted to the Cape Cod like, and Lay's uh, an out, like contest. Oh, man, there was one that was just beans and gravy. I didn't like that one. I don't even know why <laughs> gravy would be on beans. It was a weird one. Sorry. I, there is a I think I dropped a chip in the in the seat of my car. Maybe it's there. I dropped a chip in my car and then two weeks later I found it and I ate it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like it, but I did eat the whole thing. I actually chewed it up and swallowed it. <laughs> so many chips. <laughs> um so just before no, no, sorry. So after Ronnie presses the cauterizer to the water bottle, he puts it right to one of the wounds that he inflicted on Jack, and Jack screams in pain and then blacks out. And this is where one of the other henchmen uh, tries to stop Ronnie and says, uh, you're going to kill him. He's no good to us dead. And he has his hand on Ronnie's arm. And Ronnie just looks at him and is like, don't ever touch me again. Um, and Jack wakes up and just before Ronnie goes back in with the cauterizer, his phone rings and who is it? Would you like to play a game? <laughs> it's Saw It's Saw 2. And, uh, it's Saw 2. It's weird. You don't think about the timelines of those movies being so close together, but man. That's like, what he's Ez doing Carey in also, Yeah. As Carrie also was cutting off his leg. Saw too, which I don't remember much about, was happening. Yeah. Um, and so he asks for progress, and Ronnie says, Well, we're still working on it. And Kingsley says, May I remind you there is a time issue? Do not disappoint me. And Ronnie hangs up, and we get a tiny clock. It's 246, and we see Mike Novick step out of an elevator, and he walks down a hallway to a storage room where Lynn Kresge is already waiting for their contact, Jesper Eisberg, to show up. And um Lynn asks if he's heard anything about this meeting. And Mike says, you know, I never imagined a dissent in the administration like we're facing right now. And Lynn asks, what do you mean? And what does Mike say? <sighs> Article 4 of the 25th Amendment. What do you know about Section 4 of the 25th Amendment? <sighs> yeah. she he He basically lays out that, like... Some shady shit's going down, and they're about to remove David from power. And Prescott's going to become the president. Effectively a coup d'etat. Yeah. Which, I don't think that the 25th Amendment can be used like that. It's basically, is like, if the president is mentally incompetent or, like, Assassinated, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's when you have to do it. And and here's a little bully logic. And the party in power has a spine. Right, mm, sure. <laughs> but what I don't get is so okay. They remove if they remove David from office, Prescott mm-hmm. becomes president. But then immediately goes to war. Mm-hmm. Like, does he think that he's going to stay president in two years? Not if he gets that money, he don't need to. Okay, so you don't even yeah. think this is a power play. You think this is you think this is money from the cabal. I mean, I think it has to be. Like, this guy is clearly dick deep in Caspian Sea, like, oil stocks, for sure. (laughs) But it's just, like, again, like, so Section 4 says an incapacitated president is unable or unwilling to provide the written declaration called for by Section 3, which is, Section 3 is just a written declaration about the president's powers. Um, Yeah, I'd like to think that the Secretary of Education and Transportation are not sitting there saying, like, oh, I need this war right now. <laughs> right? 
Oh, Interior wants this war. Big time. It's going to help the National Park. What the fuck are you doing? No. We don't need to... Like, I like to be like, no, we're not going to war. I think he's fine. If we're, no, we're not going to drop bombs. Like, I kind of want, our, like, our this... Cur- our current cabinet, yeah, we're all fucked. Like, Curtis, I, <laughs> I do kind of wish, like, at some point, the Secretary of Education, like, not this current one, who's, like, a dumpster bag, um, <laughs> but, like, a, a competent one who understood schools... Just like, you know, we're going to wage war on illiteracy. We're going to declare war on illiteracy. Um, oh, the president isn't on board. Time to invoke a section four of, of, of the 25th Amendment. He's he's dead. He's going to jail. Sorry. I'm the president now. <laughs> the secretary, the secretary of housing and urban development. Oh, God, mm-hmm. no. Have you seen my luggage? I lost it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so they're effectively planning a coup d'etat, uh, according to Mike, and he, they're just going to wait on Jesper Eisberg to provide more detail. And um, before, so Jesper arrives outside, and Mike says, "I need a moment. Please stay stay outside." And he closes the door, and he says, "Hey, Lynn, where do you stand on the president's decision to call off this attack?" And she says. I don't agree with the president's decision, but it's his decision to make. As far as I'm concerned, it's Prescott who should be charged with treason. And Mike asks, are you sure? And Lynn says, yes. And then what happens? Uh, I can't believe Lynn didn't see the writing on the wall here. Yeah. She thought she was on the right right path, but Mike says, sorry to hear you say that. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was afraid you'd say that. And uh, he leaves, and Lynn goes to follow him out, and... uh, Jesper Eisberg says, uh, not so fast, fam. About to stay in this broom closet. Every, everyone who gets to continue to do their job today, please step forward. <laughs> not so fast, Lynn. Not so fast. part of this coup d'etat? <laughs> oh, not you. <laughs> this weasley little Carl Rove wannabe motherfucker, Mike Novick. And so Lynn says, I can't believe it. I can't believe you're on Prescott's side. And Mike says, David didn't listen to reason. The administration has been <laughs> worried so about his good. indecisiveness since he took office, <laughs> and now his actions will cost American lives. I can't have that. Was that a good Mike Novick? That was a pretty good. The reason one was yeah, yeah it was real good. Wouldn't listen to reason. <laughs> can, you um, imagine, can you imagine if we found out, like in maybe like oh oh nine, even after Obama was elected, that Dick Cheney overthrew George W. Bush because W. We thought a war, and Cheney was like, "Nah, fam, we're doing this shit." This country would have been like, "Wait a minute, what? Huh? All y'all voted to to vote him? I mean, he was incompetent, but for this reason, <laughs> this one? Nah, this is not the one." <laughs> um. So, Mike just says, "I'm doing this for the good of the country, Lynn," and Lynn just says. You can lie to yourself all you want, but you can't lie to me. And Mike walks away, and Iceberg prevents her from leaving, and then just try. He just closes the door and locks her in. But like, didn't take her phone or anything. Yeah, like, he didn't even check her like, for. Did she not bring her phone? I mean, I guess they are underground, but people have been using cell phones nonstop, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Mike tells Iceberg not to open the door unless he hears from, hears from him specifically, and uh, he walks away. We cut to commercial at 2.49. We come back. It's 2.53. And um, coming up on 30 minutes after they should have left, uh, Yusef and Kate are continuing to wait in their car, which Yusef is really letting the clock run down on the evidence that can keep his country from getting blown up, mm-hmm. which seems odd. 
Um, and you see he's walking around the car, and then he gets back in and says, okay, we have to go. Um, you, CTU is expecting us, and the chip is a priority. And Yusef, is, he backs up the SUV, and he almost gets sideswiped by a, a fire truck. Um, so he stops and is like, whoa, Kate, are you okay? And then just as they're about to get going again, someone rips open the door and drags Yusef out. And um, who is it? Oh, my God. What the? I'm not going to say the actor's name because it's not him. You know who this is, y'all? Ron Swanson? It's Ron Swanson. <laughs> it's Ron Swanson. It's, it's Ron Swanson before Ron he Swanson. learned a thing or two. Yeah, yep. it is. Before he became pre, a libertarian. mustache Yeah. <laughs> before he just like, you know what? Government shouldn't be here at all. Yeah. He, he, y'all, this is MAGA, this is MAGA Ron Swanson. Mm. It's MAGA Ron Swanson <laughs> yeah. before he like, be, he found some enlightenment. <laughs> so he pulls him out of the car and, um, Drops some slurs, mm. and he has two friends with him. Um, and what does Yusuf do after being punched in the face and uh, kicked around a little bit? He grabs him, grabs him, pulls his gun on him, basically tells him, hey, knock it the fuck off, the bow to you, and, uh, you know, just back the fuck up. We're going to leave. Um, and he doesn't see the other dude coming around with a brick. They didn't see the extra bitch. Mm-hmm. You got an extra one it. coming in there. And uh, so Yusuf takes a brick off the dome uh, <laughs> and they are yelling very mean things at him. Uh, and Kate tries to break it up. And, but Ron Swanson punches her right in the head. Oh, yeah. And they continue to punch and kick Yusuf, who is defenseless on the ground. Um, and then we cut to CTU where Tony calls Ryan Chappelle, who is driving towards CTU. And Tony says, uh, hey, what do you want? <laughs> and Ryan congratulates him on his promotion, but says, I'm coming over to help. Uh, I've heard you're a little understaffed. And Tony says, oh, no, we're doing just fine. And Ryan says, yeah, I'm sure you are. I'll be there in 30 minutes. See ya. And they hang up. So with we two, get it with two keys from division, two keys, which I don't. It's just a Coke party coming up. I was say, you want two keys of Coke? Shit, Ryan. Damn, Ryan. We are still kind of like under threat here, man. <laughs> yeah, but everyone, everyone hasn't slept. You know, we got to keep this party it, rolling. It's about to be 3 a.m. We got to go. Remember um, the Tabillion fam? <laughs> <laughs> the Bolivian <laughs> dancing dance, as it were. <laughs> so we cut. We got another tiny clock. It's 2.55. Please take a drink. And um, Tony's up in his office, and he calls Michelle to ask her about Tony. And Michelle just says, well, they sedated him. Uh, and That motherfucker has been going crazy. Going mad crazy hard in the pain sedated him like he's knocked out yeah so tony asks her how she's doing and michelle michelle says i'm fine but i want to apologize about what happened earlier and tony just says nah don't be sorry i'm not sorry we should probably do it again sometime (laughs) and she asks him about carrie and he says just leave it alone everything will be fine um what makes him think that yeah, like nothing that Carrie has done is like shown that like this will be fine. She's been up like, Michelle's butt the entire time she's been there, and Tony knows this, right? I think Tony's listening to too much Boys to Men. Like he literally <laughs> thinks he's being like, "Girl, I know what you think you saw, but you ain't seen nothing. You ain't seen we nothing. cool. It's okay, baby. I just need you to stop talking about this other girl. It's my job, baby. I love you, baby. I don't mean. I mean, oh shit, I fucked up." Tony out. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya. Um, so we cut back to the uh, the medical building where Jack has continued to be tortured, screaming in pain, and then he blacks out uh, behind his gag. 
and he's woken up with some smelling salts. And um, as he wakes up, Ronnie says again, you've been on this side before, Jack. You know as well as I do that everyone has a limit to how much they can take. Everyone has a breaking point, even you. I understand you have a daughter. You wouldn't want Kim to be an orphan, would you? And it's like, you don't. You don't do that. Why'd you do it? See, this is like one of you, the things Jack is very good about knowing who he's talking to when he's when he's interrogating someone. This guy right. clearly has no fucking clue because that is not the way to get Jack to break is by telling him, oh, you're not special and your daughter's going to be in pain. He's like, he wasn't going to say anything. He would have just died peacefully in his torture session. Mm-hmm. But now you now you brought him into mm-hmm. it. You threatened her. This does not end well for you, Ronnie. You Jersey Shore cast off. What are you doing? And so Ronnie picks up a stun gun and hands it to o- O'Hara and kind of nods at Jack. And O'Hara stuns him once. And Jack Jack stays up. Ronnie says, do it again. And uh, O'Hara says, it's no, he's no good to us, dead. And Ronnie grabs the stun gun himself and presses it to Jack's ribs. And uh, he holds it there for a little little bit longer than one might expect. And Jack just goes limp. Mm. And his head falls and he's unresponsive. And Ronnie says, wake him up. And uh, But unfortunately, Jack is dead and that's the end of the show. Good show, y'all. And um, Ronnie's the captain now. <laughs> I finally saw what you were watching back there, Chris. <laughs> I knew you'd do it. <laughs> the The camera is wild on this bad oh, boy. Yeah. I but, get that it's supposed to be on the ocean, and it's the camera's crazy. But uh-huh. man, that's that epilepsy fit right there. Just a bit. My tummy hurts just watching it on your TV behind over your definitely, shoulder. Definitely Tom Tom's worst uh, accent work. Just not not the best. Uh, but uh, solid solid movie. Yeah, you it's know, fine. Again, I it. It, it, and not an objectionable. Uh, casting choice for Tom Hanks. No, but but the reason I picked this is because essentially everyone is telling Jack or someone else they're the captain now. Whether Literally nonstop. Or or Ronnie telling his crew he's the captain now, or um, Mike Novick. Does Captain Phillips brief- the captain now? Does Captain Phillips die briefly at the end of this, and like the movie ends on a cliffhanger where you don't know if he's alive or dead? Nah. Yeah, and then you nah, you have to fam. you have to watch the rest of it in Captain Phillips too. And I will say this. Phillips harder. You know, <laughs> mad respect to the troops. I know John Oliver described this back in the day. Um, if you can't get a little happy that we have dudes who can hit four bobbing targets with four perfect shots from the back of an aircraft carrier that's also moving. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> if you've ever, like, reading about that, like... If you know how much the deck of an aircraft carrier moves up and down, whole bunch of <laughs> it's it's between like twenty and forty degrees, and these guys synchronously hit four moving targets who are also bobbing up and down. Like that's amazing! Like holy fuck! I will um, say that the, the guy who's with him, the, the captain, he's a smart dude. He just like that's what that your your only reaction to seeing all four of your comrades get shot in the fucking head in a moving vehicle. Has to be nope. <laughs> so we're good. 
that should be an instant nope instinct. Just no. Nah. I would have okay. laid down and wrapped my whole body around Tom Hanks. Like, all right, he's my he's my guy. Sorry, I've become one with Captain Phillips. I am actually the captain now because I am one with a captain. <laughs> Two men, so one we get captain. A, so Jack does not wake up no matter how much they uh, try to get him. We cut to a split screen. We see Jack responsive. We see Lynn trying to break free out of her storage room. And we see Kate and Yusef continually just being punched mercilessly. And uh, Mike Novick walks back into a room with David Palmer and uh, starts advising him on something. And um, then we cut back to the the medical clinic. And Jack is confirmed dead by one of the henchmen. And Ronnie tells people to cut him down. And yells to get him some epinephrine. And they remove Jack's gag. And Ronnie is furiously pumping on Jack's chest. He's not awake. And we cut to black at 2.59 and 59 seconds. Hmm. Hmm. So end of the show. Hmm. Yep. It's over, y'all. Hmm. There's, hey, Curtis. Mm-hmm. There is one Bauer left alive. Mm-mm, there isn't. Nope, no Bowers. The rest of 24 one- from this point on... It's all Kim all the time. This is why they didn't show you Kim this entire episode. Just so you guys understand, I've had a a three-month-old cat around my legs this entire episode for the part where I keep looking down, um, kind of biting me, nibbling me a little bit, and rubbing. I prefer all those feelings to anything to do with Kim Bauer. Yeah. uh, I'd rather be bitten by a cat constantly. Rather be cuddled by a little kitten? Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or bitten by a cat who doesn't understand it has fangs and and claws. (laughs) So, like a cougar. I'd rather be mauled by a cougar. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so, uh, Curtis, how you feel? What do you think? Is David going to uncover this plot against him before it's too late? I Is, mean, I think, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that in even in 2002, if you would have had there be a coup against the black president that was successful because he was just too dumb to see it, that may have had some backlash online or in society. Well, here's a question. Who does David have on his side right now? Jack Bauer. He's dead. Nope. (laughs) He's currently not alive. Part of me guesses that Jack is not dead. Just for some reason. Okay, bold. But in the (laughs) NROC, people who are not Jack Bauer, or, you know, I'll throw Tony Almeida in the mix, because Tony, I feel like, wants, I feel like he's okay. Also, but you know who's not dead, Kush, and who's still dangerous? Sherry Palmer. Oh. They did not kill a Sherry. They did not kill they, a they sherry. Didn't, they didn't do it. What about you can't uh, kill a sherry? What about the Secret Service agent? Fuck who? Oh, that guy. Is this the same dude who allowed David to sneak out before the election and, and meet Keith or who met no? The, the, like, the guy no, who was the, that guy who was guarding uh, the um, the reporter dude. Mm. Yeah, the one who was. Uh, well, no, there's two. There's a uh, shit. There's a guy who was torturing. Uh, yes. Wow, we can't remember the name of anyone. Teddy. So there's Teddy, Teddy who was Theodore torturing Logan the, Esquire. Yeah, he was torturing uh, the NSA chief. Roger but then Stanton. there was also yes. yeah, he was torturing Roger Stanton. And then there was the other guy who is on the loose somewhere. He let the reporter out. Mm-hmm. Um and I wish we could remember any names, but we started watching the show <laughs> this season of the show like a year ago. It's true. So true. Uh, um, Joe Yeah, he's Steve. he's on the loose. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Sherry, that's a good that's I hadn't thought about that. She's it's ripe. This is ripe for a return, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect kind of situation. Oh yeah. Uh, although 
Although she was kind of the orchestrator of another plot against David from like the beginning of the season. Like, I don't I don't know if she'd be the most like primed to like, I can do that to David. You fuckers can't do that to right, David. Yeah, it's you are not allowed to undermine his presidency. Only I can do that. It's the enemy of my enemy is my kind of wife, kind of friend, my ex-wife. Yeah, my ex-wife. <laughs> Interesting. OK, so oh, guys, I hope you're are you have you braced yourselves appropriately to see Kim Bauer next episode? No, no, no. I don't know why or how she's going to come back, but I'm pretty sure she will. Yeah. Well, what would be the point of her coming back? I don't know why. Like, she shouldn't come back at all. <laughs> like, there's no need for a Kim. This wikia says it confirms that it is, in fact, the first episode of the series not to feature Elisha Cuthbert as Kim Bauer. Is it the, is it the last? Because I hope it's not the last. One of many. <gasps> nope. Don't even say it. Let's move on. Go, Kush. He's going to spoil it. Go ahead, buddy. No. Um. Well, I was just going to ask Curtis, like, so... Where do you where do you think David goes from here? He's gonna believe in and fuck up for a little bit, but eventually he'll find his way and call the bombs off. That's fair. Okay. Um. Yeah. I there mean. Uh. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. I mean. I don't. I don't really have any. I think we're we're just kind of in one of those like setup episodes. As much as like a lot of things happen in this one, it's not a ton consequential. Like, like you said, Jack probably coming back. You know how I know da- he's not dead. How? I mean, he was in Flatliners, guys. He knows. He knows. He knows how to die. True. Oh, hey guys, you know who we are forgetting Hmm. as a threat, and not like an overall season threat. There's someone who hasn't died. Keith. Someone who. (laughs) (laughs) Keith. Keith could come back. Now I'm more thinking about. I don't know someone who's had a car stolen it's been jacked in the head with a tire iron and kicked in the chest by a a leg that is now no longer attached to the owner of that leg gary matheson's still out in the wild i thought he got arrested he got arrested for murder i thought he's around <laughs> fellas the law and order is breaking down out there it's true <laughs> we have not really resolved that one yet well now because there's no more law and order. all we have is an svu so yeah. unless it's sexual in nature fuck y'all yeah, you know what? I have after this after this episode aired, the character profile for Jack Bauer was changed to deceased on the Fox's official twenty four site. They went hard. I like that. I mean, technically true. Yeah, that's nice though. That's a that's a good that's a nice like because we talked about this on uh, Trends in Low Places like IHOP changing to IHOB. Mm. They didn't go all in on their website. It said burgers for a limited time only. Right. Fuck you. If you're going to sell it, fucking sell Pancakes. Pancakes. Deceased. <laughs> Come Dude, on, IHOP. IHOP said we only have pancakes for two more weeks. <laughs> Excuse me? No, you're the house of pancakes. They should have Not anymore. Pancakes. They should have showed they a stack the, of now pancakes. Now they're house of burgers. Sorry. They should have showed a stack of pancakes with a giant knife in it with just the raspberry syrup pouring out of it. It's like, we murdered <laughs> pancakes, and now we're IHOP. Sorry, they're dead now. They're dead. Yeah, All the dead pancakes are dead. Well, gentlemen, it's been lovely talking to you this week about the hit show 24. 
Um, everyone, if you like this show, you can find out more information at goodbuddymedia.com. Um, you can also find out more information on our sister show, which we mentioned just briefly ago, uh, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I, and occasionally Curtis, uh, we talk about stupid internet stories and just fun stuff that's happened in our dumb lives. Um, it's pretty good. Um, you know, we, uh, if you like this one, if you like our brand of humor, you'll pretty much almost certainly like that one. Um, and also if you want to get a hold of us, if you want to shoot us a message or f- share a fan theory, um, you can reach us on Facebook messenger, or you can shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. Uh, want to thank uh, a new fan, Mike Hartley for reaching out to us on Facebook. He, uh, should have been sharing some theories with us. Uh, didn't want to spoil things for Curtis. So he's kept it light. We appreciate that. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we read every single message we get and we love hearing from our fans. It's so really weird though that he said us. that his favorite character was Kim. I just couldn't yeah, believe it. He no, said he, that like, like, he would not, he would not would stop, stop saying talking how, about how much cool he loved Kim was. Kim. He was like, I wish yeah. the whole thing was just Kim. Yeah. So I think he said specifically he loves season three so much because <laughs> it's it's all Kim all the yeah, time. It's basically just like 20 Kim. Because Jack's dead. Super I'm dead. Y'all. I'm gonna punch each one of y'all. I know Curtis, you're lying. Stop it. Curtis, how else can people help us out? If you want to help us out, go ahead, guys, and subscribe to this show uh, or our sister show, Trends in Low Places, or any other uh, show that we put out as Good Buddy Media moving forward uh, on your podcast app of choice, whether that be iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, however you subscribe to podcasts at our shows. And when you do that, please go ahead and like and review or rate us. Um, That is how we move up the charts and get visibility and continue this path towards being a podcast juggernaut for everyone. Um, but that's my spiel. Michael, how can the folks help us on the old social medias? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at uh, LDuelCast, L-D-O-L-Cast, or you can uh, search for Longest Days of Our Lives and, uh, you know, shoot us a tweet, shoot us a Facebook message, like Kush said. Um and you can also help us by retweeting and sharing our posts, especially when we post about a new episode. Um, yeah, tell all of your friends about us. You know, we don't really do advertising. Um, so word of mouth is is how we get out there. So we appreciate everyone who's who's told other people about us. And, uh, you know, keep doing it. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for listening. And uh, gentlemen, we're running out of time. Toodles. <laughs>